Welcome to the session on the 17th of November. So we'll begin the session with a uh, invocation. So the idea is that we sit here um, with a sense of receptivity. That when people come together for purposes of meditation and opening their spiritual centers, then the universe responds and so there's a sense that there's almost an attractive force that you create. Um, And so the idea is that we collectively hold this intention of filling the room with light and I often visualize this as a big pillar of light coming down through the top of the house. It it originates at some point, an infinite point above and it's coming down and it fills the room with light and as you breathe you can intensify the feeling of the light entering the room so we imagine ourselves as being bathed in this golden white light Feeling every cell, pore of your body permeating throughout all the objects in the room, entering you through your breath, you may feel it coming in through the top of your head, filling every space. As you continue to breathe, you feel your energetic vibrational state resonating with the frequency of this golden white light. And in doing so, you imagine that your entire system is being cleansed, that stresses are being dissolved, that all past impressions are being dissolved, disintegrated. It's a form of cleansing, you can imagine it as a washing process, an immersion into a field of light. So you can sit and enjoy that for a moment. And if we form the intention that we wish for this state to remain through the duration of the program. And also this light is an intelligence, right? It contains an intelligence. So it's not just a static energy, but it's actually imbued with consciousness and with uh, an innate knowing of what it is that we need to receive each of us individually at whatever level we're at and whatever needs that we have and whatever healing needs to occur whether it be physical, mental, emotional you just call on that same principle, that energy to deliver to you what you need and you may be feeling sensation in the body perhaps there's movement, tingling, heat, 
pressure just observe the body the energy system you can now amplify that by imagining that with the breath as you breathe in and out you imagine the breath moving up and down the spine as light So you're moving light up and down, clearing that sacred channel, the Sushumna Nadi. You can further enhance this by breathing abdominally. So you breathe deep from the pit under the diaphragm. So the abdominal breathing combined with the visualization, it becomes what's known as Kundalini breathing. You should be sitting upright, try not to slouch. Try and keep that energy channel straight. Now the direction of breath is up to you. Some people prefer to breathe, to move the light up on the in-breath and down on the out-breath. You can try doing that for a few cycles. Remember to pause at the end of each breath and you'll feel a uh, resonance of energy accumulating at the top and the bottom. You might feel a, um, a zone of energy that tingles. Or a heat. Or an electric sensation. And if it feels more natural for you, you could try reversing the breath so that the in-breath uh, moves the light down to the base of the spine. And the out-breath, as you draw the abdomen right in, pushes the light up to the top of the head. So this is raising your energy level, clearing out things in preparation for meditation. Now the other thing we can do is we can move the awareness to the third eye region, the space between the eyebrows. Imagine now that there's an opening there and you're breathing the light energy in and out of that space. So you're clearing the third eye center. which is the center of insight, intuition, knowing. Have the intention that this exercise is giving you clarity of vision. Both the physical vision and also the inner knowing of things. When the center is fully developed, you develop uh, some of the higher powers of uh, intuition. Just 
just observe any sensations that are occurring at this point. You might see colours, feel heat or pressure, tingling. Or maybe you just feel a sense of having been cleansed. We'll try a very short retention exercise. We do this in a very gentle way. So as you breathe in, count to four. Hold for two. Out for eight. Actually, we'll do it. That's not quite right. Let's breathe in for uh, let's see, in for two, so it's a fairly rapid feeling, then you hold for four, out for eight. As you allow the breath to move out, follow it with your awareness. just rest, return the awareness to the space within the head. Now bring it down to the heart, to the region of the space at the centre of the chest. As you breathe you imagine a flower, like a lotus flower opening in that region and you recall a feeling of love of a person or a thing anything that brings up that feeling you hold that in that space you can imagine a colour of pink tinged with light green as if it was a lotus flower that's pink but it's opening and it's slightly green as well this chakra in the heart has 16 petals. sense to permeate throughout the body so that the whole body is filled with this divine energy, love energy. This is tremendously uplifting and very good as a way of lifting your mood, clearing you of negativity. Raising your energy level. should also remember to um, invoke the 
masters of the yogic tradition. So you can imagine that somewhere on some dimension there are these celestial beings or yogis or whatever you want to characterize them as and they're benevolent guides that are guiding the practice and we thank them, invoke them, call them into our presence, ask them to energize our practice, give us whatever individual guidance, whatever insights or realizations that we need to receive. Just make that mental connection. And you may feel the energy actually shifts again when we do that. You might imagine that they're present in the room. We have had clairvoyance here that see entities that appear at this point. And if this is all too esoteric for you, that's fine. You can just relax and enjoy it as a imaginary exercise that makes you feel good. Like a child has imagination. We use the power of the imagination to alter our state of mind. And then just sit for a moment. Now, um, bring your awareness back to the room. We're going to do a little bit of um, mantra repetition. So take a sip of water. Energize the water first. This is another thing you can do is just imagine that you're bringing light into the water. And, you know, there are experiments now that show that um, you can actually change the molecular structure of water. Remember we looked at that stuff? So you actually change, because water is uh, a medium for holding energy and so you're imbuing the water with this idea of that's healing you or energizing, curing any condition. Do you do this at home? Do you do that with mm. your water? Mm. With your food? Is this all too much for you? <laughs> I put Reiki symbols in mine. Oh, so I was going to ask you if you do Karuna Reiki. Yeah. yeah. You can be skeptical, that's fine. The main thing is just how you feel when you walk out of here. That's the test. All the rest is... Ju we're just using mind, imagination, metaphor, which is what we do when we're beating up on ourselves and getting stressed. We're using mind and imagination and, and uh, emotion, but we're doing it in a negative way. So all we're doing is just doing the, applying the antidote to what we normally do to ourselves, and that's why we feel different. It's just all about using mind to bring about emotional states. The reason that we use all these symbols and all that is because... Uh, I don't know. Why? Why do we choose... Humans just seem to like it. Yeah, I think we have this natural propensity to be drawn to certain uh, images or concepts that we apply. That's what religion is. The ritual. The ritual. We like ritual. And so it's just a way of, um, I guess, giving some meaning to what we do. In the end, it's all mind. We've got to recognize that at some point you won't get to the higher states without letting all this go. So you actually have to abandon all this. This is all just preparatory stuff to get you into a state of receptivity where you can actually move completely outside of mind and then none of this matters. 
none of this is, has any currency in these high states. It's, you're just in a state of pure awareness. But in order to get there, we have to negotiate all the stuff that is rattling around in our heads, all the negative thoughts, all the baggage that we've been carrying. And these techniques are great for just cutting through that. <coughs> so just give yourself permission to go along with this as um, strange as it may seem. So how do you feel now, having done that? Calm? Yeah. Happy? Positive? Muscle and neck's gone. See? Yeah. It's because if the neck is just holding tension, we've just released, released that. You're just releasing. Um, so then the other thing that they do is they chant things like OM. And, and so you're using sound energy which is another, we use imagination and the idea of light, but you can use sound. And so mantra is a sound. When, we, when I've given you mantra to use in your meditation, that is a sec, effectively a sound vibration that we're setting up internally. You know, when you do it now, you sit there, you, you intone the mantra with the breath. Be, you know, before sound is expressed, Physically, it exists as a vibration before it, it um, transforms into an audible sound. It exists in a vibrational state. So if I strike the glass, before the sound reaches your ear, it's just a vibration. The brain interprets it as sound. So prior to hearing it, to, to it being audible, it's vibrational. Prior to it being vibrational, it exists as pure potential. Inherent in the structure of the glass is a frequency that is unique to that structure. It's contingent on the material, the hardness, the density, the atomic structure, and also in this case how much water there is in the glass. So the volume that is capable of resonating. If, if I drink a bit more water, I'm sure you did this in science. Like, a hundred years ago. Cool. <laughs> Alright, 20 years ago. <laughs> See that the frequency changes? Mm -hmm. So there's something inherent in, in the change in the structure and the nature of the thing that changes its vibrational state. So what the yogis say is that in fact all of creation has a corresponding vibrational state. And having just seen that, you can understand that that's not so far-fetched. The table has a vibrational state. Our bodies have a vibrational state. Just before or after lunch? It can. <laughs> well, it can. I mean, thought is vibration. Thought is energy. And, and, and you know, if you observe thoughts, certain thoughts will change the emotional state. So there is definitely energy within thought. We know that. I mean, this is not even controversial. Uh, you can measure it with an EEG device. You can actually measure it on a graph. You can show energetic states corresponding to thought. But when we uh, use mantra, we're actually applying the concept, the science of sound at a very deliberate and, um, what's the word, with a specific objective in mind, and that is to change the nature of the the mind state. 
And so the mantra works on the apparatus of, of mind to change it. And, and when we use the mantra, the mantra is a specific that will bring about states of peace, states of peace, or states of... I mean, there are many mantras. There are, in the literature, they say there are 33 million mantras. But the ones we use are uh, traditionally meditative mantras. There are other mantras you can use for other purposes. In the Mahabharata, they talk about mantras being used to, um, to create weapons. Right? You, you can use sound as a destructive thing. And, you know, even in military technology, they can create sounds that will can destroy things. Um, that, again, is not controversial. So, and words carry energy. You know, if you abuse someone, mm. you know, it has an effect, and it's not just the meaning of what you're saying, it's also the power of what you're saying and the, the colour that you give the, the expression mm. that will have an impact. So again, none of this is controversial. But what the yogis say is, if we delve into the nature of sound, and we go back into the pre-vibrational state, into the pure potential state, which is where mantras lead us when we meditate, then we're going back to the source. And the closer you get back to the source, then you're um, returning to your, um, your existence as, as at its most fundamental level as consciousness. So all these mantras that we use in meditation are designed to lead us back into the pre-state prior to thought, into the um, ground state that sits beneath thought or behind thought. And the mantra is the vehicle that carries us into that condition. Right? And you've experienced that when you meditate and you follow the mantra into the silence eventually it will deliver you into a state. It may not be that you can stay there for very long <laughs> initially, but eventually as you practice, you, will, you basically release awareness into that state. You're not holding on to the mantra at that point. The mantra has delivered you to the destination, which is just a state of peace. And then you just drop all effort. All right, so that's the technique in using mantra is about understanding that it is a vibrational state or a sound vibration that is carrying awareness into a deeper state and typically when we meditate we use the sound at a mental level and then we're tracking it back there are four levels of mantra there's the audible level which is if i said om om so that's audible and then you've got the mental repetition of the same sound. So I don't say it, but I'm hearing it as if I'm saying it. Can you do that? So it's quite powerful. You repeat that sound. And then the third level is prior to the sound as heard. So if you imagine it as, this is very subtle, but you imagine it more as a feeling than a sound prior to the sound originating. Can you do that? Just get a sense of it's almost like the energy of it before it becomes sound.
it's almost the faintest idea of it before it emerges the sound. Do you get an inkling of that? I mean, it's, that's, that's very subtle. But the point, and then there's a fourth layer which is even more subtle than that, which is the paravak level. It's the, the prior to even vibration. As the pure potential, just as the glass has an inherent frequency encoded in its structure prior to me even tapping it, mantra also has that quality prior to it's its potential to hold that vibration even before it is struck and that at that layer of mantra ironically you would think mantra is more powerful as it becomes more audible but in fact it's the opposite the more that you can track it back to its subtle level the more it is starting to take on the quality of the of pure consciousness from the silence from which it all emerges. The, the premise is that pure consciousness is more powerful than anything, that the whole universe came out of just consciousness. So everything, every the planets and the supernova explosions and the... You, you can imagine, can you contemplate the power within the universe of all the suns combined? and the mass of all the planets combined. I mean, the, the magnitude of what we're talking about is, is impossible really to comprehend. Beyond, beyond comprehend. But all of that came out of just pure consciousness. So then the, the point is that the pure consciousness must have been even more powerful than that in order to give rise to it. And so when we're using mantra to move back into that state, we're aligning ourselves with that pure unmanifest prior to manifestation. These are the very high states of meditation that you can reach. And the point is that you're following the mantra back because the, the premise again is that the mantra, all mantras are contained already within this, uh, within the basic fabric. Just as um, my son's studying maths at uni and I said to him recently, I said, you know, when, they, when mathematicians discover an equation, you know, Einstein discovered AMC e equals MC squared, or Newton discovering the law, universal law of gravitation. These are mathematical equations. Where were they before they were discovered? The concept is that all of the laws of nature, all the laws of physics are already there. Mm. It's just that no mind has come along yet. To deconstruct it. Exactly, to, to put it down, it to put it down in a form that can be communicated. But the laws are, of nature are inherent within nature. Even if humans weren't here, presumably the, the fundamental laws of physics would still be there. Right? You know, 2 plus 2 is going to equal 4 wherever you are in the universe. It's a fundamental principle. Right? So the discovery, it's not an invention. No mathematician invented 2 plus 2 equals 4. It's a discovery of a universal truth. They just found ways to put words to it. Yeah, or they found a system of notation where they could describe it mm. and then communicate it. But even if they failed to do that, it still would have been true, right? So 
I'm using a bit of um, parallel reasoning here to illustrate that mantras equally just as um, mathematical equations are inherent in uh, at some level of creation in the fabric let's say of creation so too mantras are there as well in fact everything's there in the prior to its expression form in its incipient form you could say before it is born it exists as as purely as potential and so this is the shiva state that they talk about in yoga it's, it's just life as the in the field of infinite possibility prior to creation this is the state of the universe prior to the universe not even the universe it was prior to what was there first this is what we're talking about and why does this have any relevance to our day-to-day -day life in practical terms it probably doesn't much at all but in terms of a yoga practice where you're using very very powerful techniques that I'm telling you about to actually transcend mind and go into these super conscious states where all your uh, you feel um, limitless and you feel uh, infinite and or you feel supreme peace or you feel love or joy these states are all effectively inherent in the nature of things and we're just finding ways back into that into that experience and so the power of mantra is that it's just a tool that we can use that links us back into those high states of consciousness and that, and that I'm giving you this as a theoretical understanding so that when you practice the techniques you understand now why they work it's really to satisfy the mind to give yourself a little bit of uh, license to say okay I'm going to go with this because now I actually get what it means not that he just came and threw a mantra at me and I got to use it with blind faith I'm using it because I now understand that this is something that has potency that has come to us through traditions of yogis that have realized the power and unlocked the power of these mantras and in fact because we're directly within a lineage through my teacher his teacher me through to you that the power of the mantra that is used it's called a Chaitanya mantra the mantras I give you are they're conscious because they, they carry the energy of the entire lineage and so when you use them and you employ them they're effective and, and the only obligation you have is to treat them with respect and to apply them you know regularly that's your that's your part of the deal is that you've been given you know this amazing gift now and then you have to employ it and then ultimately once you've sorted your own life out and you're now living in a very you know um, expanded light state of light then you have to go out and share it and give it to everyone else and that's how we serve that's how we repay is by doing what we're doing okay so that was a bit of a journey now I think we should just try um, now so <coughs> you can forget all of that and we'll just do some chanting of Om because Om is the primordial mantra they say that all mantras derive from Om Om has been mal much maligned and ridiculed by people that don't understand and they go oh it's just Om if you truly understood how powerful Om is 
it's it is actually the fundamental vibrational state of this prior to condition before the universe emerges it is the in the, in the in the christian in the bible they say in the beginning was the word that's what they're talking about om so we can the best we can get to om is is orally is just by saying saying it but as i say the key to really unlocking the power of all of these mantras is that at the moment that you utter it you've got to follow the sound back up through into the mental to the vibrational and then ultimately if you can reach up into the potential if you can track it back it'll lead you back into the into that powerful stillness and that powerful stillness is the meditative state that we like to return to all the time and it's in that powerful stillness that all the transformation that we're here to uh, receive is occurring the more time you can spend in that state of just abandonment to the pure infinite state of being that, that is ultimately you and me and everything the more time you can spend in that zone that's where the big transformation occurs and you become very powerful you have you know your words have the power to you, you emerge from that state and you have clarity and you have uh, a, a feeling of returning to the childlike state of spontaneity and creativity and all of those things that we had you get that back again but equally the, the good news is that you retain the wisdom of the adult you know this idea that if only I could become a child again would you really want to become a child again and every time you fall over you cry and you've got all the hard lessons of childhood we don't really want that we want the freedom and the spontaneity and the <coughs> joyfulness of a child but we also want to retain the wisdom that we work so hard to gain so that's the that's the that's the name of the game here we want we basically want it all and, and we can have it all and this is the way to get it and this is why i go to india because i sit with people that realize these states and and you come away and you've got that you're carrying that okay makes me think of the laughing buddha right you know just of this earth but just <coughs> pure joy and when you sit with enlightened masters they la they tend to laugh a lot mm -hmm. That's a mm -hmm. because you're not carrying all the you know when did you notice that you stopped laughing one day you wake up and you realize I haven't laughed for a while because you're carrying all the cares of the world everything seems to be a problem and you lose that and so what we're doing is we're turning we're reversing that process you become very light free you know they call it moksha liberation Mo liberation what are you being liberated from basically the shackles of your mind that you've taken on that you've been put upon you by society, by your family, by your teachers, by your ex exes. <laughs> ex exes. <laughs> you know, why did we just bought it all uncritically? Or television, the media, or the politicians? It's all just ego. 
getting loaded upon you, other people's ego trips, control, isn't it? And so wouldn't it be great if you could just wipe that all away and what would be left would be just, you'd be laughing. So, um, let's do some Om. What we'll do is we'll chant Om a few times and what that's doing is it's really just aligning us back into that state of freedom. And then that's great. And then that gives us time for a 20 minute meditation where you will just use the technique that you've been given and the breath, if you use breath with it. That's it. Any questions? Mm. So it's actually a three stage process. It's heart. So it's ah, ooh, mm. But they sort of merge, so it's oh, ah, is here in the region at the center of the chest, corresponding to the heart chakra. Ooh, is the throat region, mm, is the third eye. The three syllables, the three parts of om, correspond to the three principles within the universal nature of things, and that is creation, sustenance and dissolution. So things, the universe is formed, it's created, it remains for a while and then it dissolves. And so Om is sort of a metaphor, if you, or even an encoding of that process. In the concept of um, um, mind, thoughts arise, they persist for a while and then they dissolve. Everything in nature is following this basic cycle of creation, maintenance or sustenance and dissolution. So OM is basically the, um, both the recognition and also the driving principle that underlies that process. Um, but what's most important of all, and in the correct application of this technique, it's actually what happens at the end of the dissolution phase as it merges into silence, that is where the real power is. Because remember I told you that the most powerful aspect of mantra is prior to. It's as it moves back into pure consciousness, it dissolves and it loses all form. So on, as it moves through beyond the third eye, there are actually five or six chakras above this chakra before you get to the crown. So they're up here. And these are very subtle energy centers that most people normally miss. We mainly recognize seven, but there's at least 11 chakras, including one at the back of the head. So w the key with this practice, if you can sort of remember to do it, is as you go, ah, um, it's the tailing off of the mm into silence. You're tracking it up here. You allow it to track. And in that point, at that point, you're merging. You merge, you just, let everything go and you just merge and that's a great way to just get you into a state where when you go to meditate then you're already three quarters of the way there because you've already um, activated this the dissolution of thought do you get it yep. so um <clears throat> i'll i'll do it first Let's do nine. They often do things in threes or nine. So we'll do nine and that'll give it a good 
good boost. So I'll do the first one and then you can do eight following. Okay? So close your eyes, sit up straight. Okay, big breath in. sound of the last storm into the stillness. I'll speak again in 20 minutes. 